This episode of Explain Yourself is brought to you by Sperry's, the shoe for those who don't own boats but do go on boat rides occasionally, as Michael and I did last weekend with Michael's family and my brother, El Capitan. None of us were actually wearing Sperry's, and we still had a great deal of maritime fun. But if you really want to look the part next time you're on or near a boat, you should head to Sperry.com. Explain Yourself, the podcast where anyone can attempt to explain anything. I'm your host, Diddy Bread, a.k.a. Sarah. Michael is not with us. I think he's he's manning the household. He's being super, super father, super husband. But our... Super Blum. <laughs> that's right. He's super Blum. I'm so excited to tell you that our guest today is Heidi Chapman. Yo, and yo. What's up, girl? It's been a long time. We've been catching up, actually. We should have been recording this whole time, but we've been catching up. Heidi and Michael and I used to work together, and we are still friends. And she's here because our podcast is much in need of a little more rock and roll. And that's what we're going to talk <laughs> about today. Going to talk about the history of rock and roll. Heidi, welcome. Thank you. I feel welcomed, and uh, it's really good to see you, Sarah. It's been too long, girl. I know. Us redheads, we got to hang out more. I know. I mean, I'm a completely natural redhead. You are. Yeah, 100%. Listen, <laughs> listen. It ain't in the roots. It's like how you present yourself, so. I feel accepted and loved. <laughs> you act like a redhead, and that's all I care about. Well, we're missing Michael right now, for sure. We are. I'm, I'm sure he was the one that kind of came up with the angle for this. He is. Like, I was like, whatever he booked you, want, you. He's our talent booker. I was like, Heidi, uh, yes, please. So we did have you on way back when, when our podcast was still a YouTube venture. In fact, we had you on twice, I think. We it's had, true. Yes, mm-hmm. we had you on to talk about your your lifestyle. Wait, what was Living it? Living the dream. Living the dream. That's right. And uh, then about curmudgeons. And then with Trey, no, our curmudgeon was- episode. I loved that episode. And I think our conclusion was that everybody is a curmudgeon. Everybody is a curmudgeon in their own special way. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Um, Both those times were so awesome. You guys are just such good hosts. Hey. No matter what I do, I could just burp the alphabet and I bet you'd make it good. (laughs) Oh my gosh. We'll save that. That could be a podcast. It really could. (laughs) There will be many followers of burping the alphabet. So the reason we want to, I mean, we Heidi could talk about rock and roll anytime, anywhere. That is a um, but But there's a specific reason we want to talk about the history of rock and roll today. And that is because back in our olden days, Michael and I did an episode on overrated things. Mm-hmm. And one of my overrated things, I'm ashamed to say, <laughs> was was the music of Pink Floyd. <laughs> And when and when we recorded that, I remember I had to mention you because I know you're a fan and my husband's a fan. Like I'm, I'm not begrudging anybody their their Pink Floyd love. But in that podcast, we Michael and I both stumbled over the idea of like, what even is this kind of music? And we had some factual inaccuracies as we tried to talk about progressive rock. So we're not even going to start there. I'm going to let Heidi launch into... I'm here to set the record straight. Yeah, she's going to set the record straight on Pink Floyd, but so, so, so much more. So I asked Heidi uh, yesterday, I said, okay, to prepare for today, I want you to send me some songs that I can listen to 
to get myself, you know, in the right mindset. And I love the songs you sent me. Tell me about what you sent me. One of the songs that I sent was uh, a song by Chuck Berry, uh, Mm -hmm. which was Johnny Be Good, which has one of the most iconic guitar solos and just intros. Yes. Any rock and roll. And um, the reason I sent that one is to kind of you know, to start at the roots of rock and roll, which are mm. very murky. Mm. Um, the thing about it is that, like, there's a lot of controversy over, well, what actually is rock and roll? Mm-hmm. Uh, when did it start? Like, when did it kind of emerge from the kind of country and blues? Yes. Yeah. Because for a while, it just wasn't a thing. It wasn't a thing. It wasn't a thing. It, it had to start somewhere. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, late 40s, early 50s is mm-hmm. kind of when the genre emerged. You know, it's like the rock beat. And yeah. It's guitar driven. Yeah. And, you know, the, the the name rock and roll actually means, you know, well, it's, it's kind of naughty, but it means. Oh, is it? It means fornication. Oh, I did not know yeah. this at all. But yeah. that makes so much sense. I mean, rocking and rolling, baby. I see now. I yeah. see, like if this trailer is a rockin'. Exactly. Don't come in on. So, yeah. I see now. Exactly. Okay. So, rock and roll has, you know, I mean, obviously, it's sexually charged. And it is. And it always has been. And that explains so much about how uh, how certain generations reacted when and rock how and roll hit the act scene. at a Limp Bizkit concert. <laughs> I've never, Which I've never been to one of those. I, I was going to say, I've never witnessed anyone uh, at a Limp Biscuit concert. And no but, disrespect to Fred Durst, but it's not my music. It ain't mine either. <laughs> my, my, my brother had a that first album that came out, and I think he, to this day, is ashamed. But John, wow. I'm, I'm putting your out there for the whole world to hear. John, at one time, owned that album. Anyway. But did he listen to Korn? And yeah, Nickel- and Nickelback. Yeah, not oh. Nickelback. All right. No. All right. Why? Well, why was he into Corn and not Nickelback? I don't how, know. Because how those far two apart are, were they spaced? I mean, they're pretty close. Nickelback, I believe, came a little bit later than. Corn. Yeah. I should check my facts. I don't have my phone, so I could be <laughs> just making stuff up. I can Google anything you want me to Google. Well, but I bet I was super thrilled to listen to that. Uh, Chuck but yeah, Berry Johnny song. Be Good. And one of the things that uh, you know is in our kind of like American mind's eye mm-hmm. is the scene in. Back, Back to, to the, the Future, future which yeah. is the best movie. I got it. Dude, I got to admit. Ken is listening. I know. <laughs> of course Ken is listening. Ken He's is one well, of our like, super fans. Ken is great. It's a shameful thing for me to say, but the, the last probably five times I've heard Johnny B. Good has has been from the movie That's Back not to the Future. At all shameful. Is that not shameful? That is okay. Glorious. But it was and so nerdy. Good. It was so good to listen to Chuck Berry singing it. No, and I, I mean, yeah. his, you know, obviously, like the version that they have in the movie is great. I mean, they did. I'm, I'm assuming it's not Michael J. Fox. No, I'm Michael assuming J. It's Fox not him is singing. not. Yeah. Although he does a really good job lip singing. He does. I was very he impressed. Does. And yep. for a long time, when I was a teenage girl that was in love with my Michael J. Fox. Uh, I course. totally thought he could sing like that. Alex P. Keaton. I know. So cute. <laughs> the uh, young Republican. Every girl's oh my favorite gosh. conservative. Yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Bless we could his rock heart. a necktie. What do you want? It was the 80s. Right. Um, and we're going to talk about the 80s today. I, I love that. Um, but yeah, so that scene in the movie is just it, there's just so much going on, right? Like you're you're worried about like the space time continuum yeah. like, crashing. Yeah. But at the same time, you've got like Marty's parents at the dance. Yes. You got Biff Tannen, who's a giant butthead. He is. His words, not mine. And then you've got like, you know, the history of rock and roll that's kind of yeah. unfolding. I it mean, is. You hear uh, Marvin Berry. I'm not sure if Marvin Berry is actually a real person, but he's calling his cousin. It's Chuck. your cousin, he's Marvin. Like, yeah. yeah. You know that new sound you've been looking for? Exactly. Well? Which. 
and there's been there's been some criticism of this. I am you sure. know about the criticism, well, right? Every, Where it's like, oh, okay, so Chuck Berry got his idea from some white kid from the eighties. Because then the you start were, asking, like, wait, who had the idea first? It's an endless loop, right? And the eighties were a weird time anyway. I mean, <laughs> if you were. watch Weird Science, like that movie could not come out today. That's a podcast for another day. I haven't seen that movie in forever. If you watch it again, you'll be like, wow, this is not. It's not appropriate. It's probably not appropriate. Exploitation and, and stuff like that. I mean, that. just like there's a lot. Like okay. Sean and I have talked about this. Like, oh. would this 80s movie do okay? <laughs> like, we're going to bring in Sean next there's, time. Oh my gosh, that would be amazing. Because he knows the 80s inside and out. But Love um, it. So the reason for that song is because I feel like it's iconic and mm-hmm. it's instantly recognizable. Mm-hmm. And I think that any good rock song has got to have a riff that, you yeah. know, you, that kind of sticks to your ribs yeah. a little bit. So. Right. And when I was listening to it, I thought of, because I had seen Home Alone recently, and I was like, this is very much like Run Run Rudolph. It is. Like, it's yeah. the same kind well, of theme, and, you know, I don't know. Well, the thing about it is that, like, it's okay to be formulaic sure. and rock and roll. Because like, it works. I'm sorry, I curse. It works. That, it does that work. riff is really catchy. Well, like, <laughs> And you know, the funny thing is, is that like, I've, I've had so many conversations with people about how there's really nothing new under the sun when mm-hmm. it comes to Western music. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you listen to like, you know, music of the Baroque period and yeah. the classical period, yeah. and you line up those chord progressions, mm-hmm. oh, it's the same thing. It is. There's nothing new. Right. And it's it's like good. It works. C, we like it. G, F. I mean, yeah, exactly. all of that. Yeah. One, four, five, baby. That's right. Yeah. Sorry. I was like, no, no, I, no, I picked a key, but you know what I mean. Yeah. yeah. No. Mm-hmm. So... All that to say that um, I was like, well, this really, it kind of cements that early rock and roll sound in a way that, you know, I mean, obviously Elvis was kind of, he was a little wibbly wobbly. I mean, obviously, you know, some people, I know that if Blum were here, he'd be like, you know. He stole his stuff exactly. from black people. But yes, the thing about this is, that is what we're missing from not exactly. having Blum here. If Blum were here, he would tell us, he would tell us the truth. Yes. But the thing about Elvis is that he was categorized as a country artist yes. for a long time because nobody knew what to do with nobody him. Nobody had any idea. And, yeah. you know, he had a lot of country and a lot of gospel in mm-hmm. his sound. Whereas I really feel like Chuck Berry is like the rock and roll It's guy. just pure I rock. Mean, yeah. And you just, you feel that energy energy that yep. like just that raw passion mm-hmm. and it's just you know so that's one of my song choices then the other song that i chose was good times bad times by zeppelin oh, love that song which is a classic um and the reason i chose early zeppelin rather than late zeppelin mm-hmm. is because i feel felt like it was a good transitional tune uh because you can still kind of hear the 1960s yeah influence i immediately thought 60s and i was actually going to ask you because i'm I'm only familiar with Zeppelin because of Jerry Davis, my husband, partner in crime. I didn't know. Probably, I mean, what do you think is the Zepp- the one Zeppelin song that everybody has to know? The one Zeppelin know? song that everyone has to know. That is really difficult because if you're a fan of the Avengers, oh, then no. it's going to be Immigrant no, Song. Sorry. <laughs> yes. Imi- no, and I probably did know Immigrant Song. I have but, a funny story about Immigrant Song that I can't say on the podcast, but I'll tell you later. But, but sweet. So, so I told Jerry that you sent me Good Times, Bad Times. That's one of his favorites. I didn't even know that was early Zeppelin. I don't know what early versus late Zeppelin is. It's just less... What's late Zeppelin? Le- late Zeppelin is a little bit more experimental sounding. Okay. Um, like right. more effects. Like I feel like early uh, Zeppelin still has that blues bass. Yeah. But it's got that, you know, that British invasion sound. Okay. But as as Zeppelin evolved, they they kind of were like more open to like messing around with stuff. I mean, Jimmy Page was kind of open to whatever. I mean, <laughs> was he? I don't know much about Jimmy was, Page. He was well. He was very interested in the occult. Oh, um, I didn't know that. He, 
that was, explains he a was lot. just a different kind of cat i mean <laughs> yeah he like yeah played the theremin and he bowed his guitar and he and did he's all not with us anymore jimmy page uh jimmy page i believe is still around yes. he is around yeah. okay now uh cheers to you jimmy page yeah. but the drummer uh john bottom is not with us anymore oh yeah, john bottom so okay got it but uh his son is a drummer so oh yeah which there you go you, know, you gotta keep it continue. in the fam, that's fam. right that's right so yeah zeppelin to me like i, I could talk about zeppelin for a while all because, day i know because they have a very diverse sound a lot of people are like well zeppelin is just blues and that's all there is to it but oh i don't think that I don't, at all i don't agree because i just feel like some of the the way that robert plant vocalizes mm. really paved the way for a lot of like the metal vocals that yeah. people in the 80s there's just some kinda, screaming going on like well, and then i mean think about like heart for example there yes. would be no heart there would be no white snake without zeppelin oh uh, because like, yeah I'm sorry, now how like, would you categorize that the the vocal like commonality between all that well i would say that it's like i mean it's it's the classic metal vocal it's like okay it's very it's kind of borderline operatic but it's yeah. got a lot of growl okay. and i was wondering if you'd it, say you know, opera because that's what i was yeah. thinking but i'm like i mean an it idiot is, like, and hiding those no, 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 so okay. so, like during the covid <laughs> lockdown my dad and i actually sat down and watched a bunch of Wagner operas and I was okay. like this is so metal I mean oh my goodness <laughs> like just those vocal pyrotechnics and, metal. And those, you heard it here first friends yeah. I mean, and I don't think I'm the only one that thinks that. No, no, but no, like, probably you see, not. But. You see Brunhilde showing up in her like chainmail armor with the oh, wings. Yeah. I mean, it's just like there's, like I said, there's nothing new. Oh, the Valkyrie, so, that's that's Wagner. Yeah, yeah, that's very metal. That's exactly. very metal. Exactly. And they all mm. wind up in Valhalla and, you know, that's, yeah, and, that's and right out song, of Zeppelin. It, yeah. It, come on, you guys. Yeah, this is great. Why so. do you think they were into that? All that Norse stuff. Uh, I think that, I mean, if you think about it, Led Zeppelin, they're a British band. They've got, you know, they've got all that lore they um, do have lore over there you know, they loved they loved things like lord of the rings uh-huh. runes druids yes like the, the the stonehenge what am i thinking of i'm thinking of uh spinal tap oh yeah so they have it's a, been a while they have a song yeah about stonehenge okay hey listeners watch spinal tap if yes, you have you should it's watch great. it's been a while for me too so if there's factual inaccuracies you know comment below that's right but um, as far as Zeppelin goes, is they just embraced ancient pagan culture. Okay. And, okay. you know, not just pagan, because Tolkien is certainly not considered like, you know, Lord of the Rings is, you know. Actually, it's like mystical and well, spiritual and, he t- you know. Like J.R.R. really, uh, he tied it all together. He like, did. He, was, he found a really elegant way of tying together, like, all of the Norse stuff and yeah. the mythology. Yeah. And then he's like, well, let's put together a tale that's fascinating and i mean if you if you nerds are listening out there y'all know what i'm they talking are. about they're all nerds yeah they're all nerds. thank you for listening nerds that's right we, we love you. we love you so much <laughs> so yeah i really think that you know zeppelin was inspired by i mean they borrowed from the you know the blues movement of course. for sure but yeah. then they also kind of part of the reason that you know you'll see stereotypes of heavy metal rockers with mm-hmm. the viking helmets and stuff yeah is because that's, of zeppelin that's zeppelin. i mean 100 percent for built, sure they built that culture yeah that makes sense that makes sense we're zeppelin fans at the davis household for sure and then what else did i you think? Oh, tom me sawyer. tom sawyer all right well and, uh, let me just say before you launch because i want to hear all your rush thoughts I don't know enough about Rush, but we have Jerry and I have a friend who's like a Rush fanatic and he's two years younger than I am. Mm-hmm. So I know this is not an age thing. 
I don't know how to feel about Rush, but I want you to talk to me about Rush. Say everything you know all about right, Rush. Well, first of all, I want to preface this with yes. uh, I did not send you a Pink Floyd song because I, I know, know. Thank you. So, so instead, I decided to send you Rush because I figured, well, they're two very, very different. They're very different musical acts. This but, is true. So, like Pink Floyd and Rush, though, are both kind of under that prog rock umbrella. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, the thing about Rush that is so lovable is mm-hmm. that those guys are just, you know, all three of them, like, you know, Neil Peart, God rest Neil, his soul, I know. I know, it was such a loss. Such brains, like all three Smart. of them, totally yeah. brilliant. Mm-hmm. So, you know, much like Pink Floyd, I think prog rock is just one of those things where like, you just have to be ready to listen with your brain uh-huh. and not your heart or your balls. Okay, okay. <laughs> I think that's There's my problem. Home. I think I I think I expect music to do too much for me physically or emotionally, and I'm not expecting it to do much mentally. I'm not engaging my brain well, very much. Yeah, and that's the thing is that the thing that's weird about Rush is that Neil Peart wrote. You know, he was the lyricist, even though he's the drummer, which sure. is highly unusual. That is. His lyrics are very, very thought provoking. Okay. Like if, if you listen to Limelight, for example, okay. he quotes Shakespeare. Really? Uh, he's he's just talking about, you know, what it's like to be in the gilded cage, basically. Oh. And it's like, it's awesome. Okay. Rush I never is, knew that. I mean, Rush is like a musician's band. Okay. I find that like. I'm in a, you know, I'm in a cover band. I'm in Randomonium. Yes. We play Tom Sawyer, which, yes. by the way, took us a long time because that song ain't easy. It's tough. There's, it's tough. Yeah. It's a lot of work to, like, master. I mean, I mean, if you think about, like, it's mind-blowing to think about this Canadian trio. Yeah. There's three dudes. Yeah. And they're up there, and they're producing this completely killer epic sound. Mm-hmm. And obviously, Tom Sawyer is an obvious choice because, sure. every, like, that's the song that most people know. I mean, there's obviously other Rush songs that are amazing. Give me one that's not as minor key. Give me a happy Rush song. Happy Did Rush? they do any happy? Uh, <laughs> Maybe not. Uh, they're, they're All their keys tend to be a little bit dark. I okay. mean, I just think as Rush as being, of Rush as being the kind of music that you listen to, like, when you're going through existential stuff. Oh, I see you're just kind of like saying. trying to sort it all out and you're just so this is not like i'm on a road trip let's play some rush no, no, no. <laughs> just depends on where you're driving i guess <laughs> have you seen what's the movie with paul rudd and jason siegel is it i love you man i haven't seen that movie okay no. they're i think they bond over rush in that movie i mean jason and it made, Siegel. it makes sense because if does. you watch freaks and geeks yes he's got that big old he's Neil a 1980 Peart. baby too like yeah. i actually think he and jerry have the same birthday but Hey, Jason, if you're listening, <laughs> you should come on this podcast. You really should. We We'd would love, love to, to have, have you. Uh, Jakes. Um, but th- watching that movie made me want to get into Rush because, I mean, like, I'll get into anything Paul Rudd is into. Well, I Paul heart Rudd's him. Amazing, and yes. he hasn't aged, so that's I that's know. Cool. It's so what's, great. What's your secret, Paul? Right? Tell let us. Let us know if you would like to be on the podcast So let well. me let me say my music, you know, idiot thing about Rush is that when I was listening to Tom Sawyer yesterday, I was thinking like, oh, this is kind of like Sticks, but it's sadder than Sticks. Yeah, actually, okay. that's a really good assessment. <laughs> Well, okay, because I really like Sticks. Sticks is proggy as well. Okay, I mean, okay. I would I would say that they're a little bit like Rush is pure progressive mm. because, like, honestly, you can always tell that it's a prog song because the lyrics are super deep and it okay. lasts nineteen minutes. Okay, and yeah. you're like, is this gonna when is end? This like, over? Yeah. Somebody like somebody give me like my exit clue so I can get out of here. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. See, I love it, but I mean. That's one of the things about Sticks is that, I mean, they have great harmonies. They have yes. great, like, the, you know, the solos are amazing. Just, I mean, and Rush is the same way. But 
I think your assessment is actually a good one. Okay, so I mean, I'm not a music idiot. In yeah. fact, I after I listened to Tom Sawyer, I was like, I got to get out of this funk that Tom Sawyer just put me in. So I listened to Lorelai, and I was like, okay, I feel better okay, now. Lorelai is such a good <laughs> I song. I love Lorelai. Such a good song. Okay, those harmonies are. Oh, just, I know. Oh my so gosh, good. it makes me so happy. The next thing you sent me was uh, November Rain. Yes. <laughs> Tell me about this choice. All right. So I feel like I should have sent you a bunch of different songs from the 80s because the 80s and 90s are my favorite decades. Yes. I didn't get a chance to really send you some grunge and alternative because I didn't think that was really your bag. So I will tolerate grunge and alternative because of Jerry. He's very into it. Um, I understand. And some of it I really like. I can get down with some Pearl Jam. I really can. Pearl Jam is pretty much amazing. Right? But the thing about November Rain Mm -hmm. is that... It's like when we were doing our kind of pre-discussion, yes. we are talking about the level of extra that that it's song so extra. is. I mean, just, <laughs> you know, they just pull out all the stops for that one. Uh-huh. Like the big, like, piano yes. intro and then the big there's outro. Like, and it's There's, just, like, strings. There's, there's a whole, oh, like, incredible. orchestra. Yes. It's crazy. And, like, you contrast that to, like, Mr. Brownstone, which is, you know. Wait, like, I like, don't know the uh, It's another GNR song. Okay. It's, it's you know, like it's a that. song about drug use. Okay, um, cool. And the cool, song is cool. very, it's like a very rockin', raw, dirty uh-huh. kind of song. And then you contrast it to something like November, November Rain. Rain. I think it gives you a pretty good idea of the whole glam metal genre of yes. the 80s. Because the glam, 80s, yes. there is so much going on there musically that I yeah. can't, I mean, that's an episode for another day. Like, let's really just talk is. about 1982 and why that year had every good song. Seriously? I mean, Let's Dance by Bowie came out in 82. Oh my God, I love that song so much. And I was Who born Who doesn't that love year. that song? You were born in 82? Yeah. Of course you people, were. My brother was. People that hate fun don't love yeah, that song. Exactly. So if you don't like Cowbell, then we, <laughs> we can't be friends. Oh, is that when that song the, came well, out? Well, the song, well, actually, no, like Blue Oyster Cult was earlier, but, but oh. the thing about Let's Dance is people don't realize that, that song is very percussion driven. So if you don't have like mm. a really good drummer, like John Bellino, my drummer, if you're listening, you're the best. What's um, up, John? What's up, John? He's not listening. <laughs> He's probably wrangling his five kids. <laughs> He'll listen eventually. He'll listen John, eventually. find some time, man. Yeah, listen to this podcast. It's good. It's a good idea. But yeah, no, that song is very percussion driven. But November Rain, I chose it because it kind of encapsulates just how over the top, even though Guns N' Roses is technically late 80s, early 90s. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, they put out like Use Your Illusion, which is like 1991. Mm-hmm. Um, but they kind of have one leg planted in the 80s, one mm-hmm. leg planted in the 90s. I would agree. They have like a pretty dark sound. Yeah. Darker compared to like if you listen to Motley Crue. I Absolutely. Mean, even, even if you listen to Motley Crue and you're like, well, that's kind of like a sordid topic. Yeah. But it's still like fun music. It's fun. And I would, yeah, I wouldn't call most of GNR's. Yeah, most of stuff is fun. It's not fun. It's like it's it's driving and it's got it's got a lot of energy, but it's got that kind of dark timber to it that was kind of hailing like the following era. And Mm -hmm. if you know, and I Mm -hmm. you know, I could have sent you so many more songs, but I would have probably sent you like Alice in Chains or Nirvana or Pearl Jam. But like the music of the '90s was so anti 80s it was, it was just such an immediate reaction it was um i've talked to many guitar players about how the 90s is fun to sing but it's not fun to play guitar in 90s music <laughs> because there's no like there's not a lot going on there's not a whole lot of big yeah. solos i mean you're not no. gonna have you, you know a giant solo like the final countdown which is like dueling guitars yes it's like, it's like so cool and yet in the 90s you just don't have that you have it's, a, it's kind of like a they kind of revert back to almost the origins of rock if you think about yes. it because you know i mean there were guitar solos obviously but 
it was such a simple formula and it was uh-huh. so effective and it just grabbed people and yeah but it's all it's all cyclical and it all yes. you know it, I remember even 90s fashion completely independent oh my from gosh. from music is so influenced by the 1960s absolutely like, you know you I look, remember my 90s clothes I mean when I was trying to fit in the the plaid plaid just yes. so much plaid <laughs> and well but you know they also like flared jeans came yes. back in yes and, you they know, did. Like if you look at the Delia's catalog, for example, those mm-hmm. big psychedelic flowers yes. and just all of like that kind of psychedelic vibe because there was, you know, there there was a trend toward that as well. Yes. Especially in, you know, in the British side of things. Oh, Like Oasis yes. and The Verve and That's all right. those, those bands, that, that 90s British invasion. Yes. So, it, I mean, it's just fascinating to talk about music because, I know. first of all, it's so hard to kind of delineate it and categorize it. It is. And we were talking before we started recording how everyone likes what they like. They do like what they like. Which is fine. We don't begrudge anybody their taste. But it, I think it's very cool when people are willing to kind of open their minds and talk about, well, what what gives this mass appeal? Even if I don't personally like it. Right, I like, need to try to understand why so many we people need to talk do. About Floyd. Right. Yeah. Yes. Let's get into that. Why right. do I not like Floyd? I well, don't actually think I've given Floyd a fair shake. I think the thing about Pink Floyd is that they had a career that was very multifaceted. At mm-hmm. first it was Sid Barrett was their vocalist and he did okay. very strange stuff that was like very it was just art rock okay so it was it was definitely weird like a bunch of experimental yeah and if sean were here he would be able to you know to (laughs) break it all down we'll have him on later i think you know part two of rock history with Sean chavin talking about but he you know sid barrett was was such a casualty of drugs it was so unfortunate because the song wish you were here yes was about sid barrett oh yeah so and actually he wandered he wandered into the studio and he Mm -hmm. was like not himself and he didn't have any eyebrows and he was like he put on some weight and none of the guys recognized him i mean it's tragic it's really tragic very tragic um and i've heard that story a lot of times because you know sean and i talk about music a lot sure um no that's great so they started off as being kind of art rock and then Mm -hmm. you know as their personnel kind of solidified Mm -hmm. and they kind of figured themselves out i mean roger waters and david gilmore I'm sure they clashed from the very beginning. You think? I'm sure they did because, <laughs> like, I don't even know that they talk anymore. And it's really tragic. That's because, sad. Because, like, you listen to Roger Waters and his songwriting, and he was the one that wrote, like, so much, uh, you know, of, like, The Wall and just so many amazing songs that he mm-hmm. wrote. And his concepts, because, you know, prog rock doesn't exist without a concept. Okay. You need to have a concept for your album. So, like, Dark Side of the Moon. This is so complicated. It's not that complicated. No, it's not. I'm just overcomplicating it. So, so you need, need like, an anchor, like a theme. Okay. And Styx does this, too. I mean, think about Mr. Roboto and all that. I'm just down with their themes more so than the... I mean, and that's possible. Like, Pink Floyd, you know, talks a lot about alienation Mm. and talks a lot about, like, having weird dad issues, which... Which if you watch The Wall and listen to the music, it's like... Dude. I've never watched The Wall. Uh, because, hey, if, it's if I'm not into their music, I'm not going to sit down and watch it. I'm going to tell you right now, <laughs> I don't know that I could say I liked it, but I'm glad that I watched okay. it. Okay. 
So I, I mean, one of I those lo- things just to say, like, I, yes, I've done. I've that. watched yeah. it. It's mm-hmm. it's dark. It's you know, Bob Geldof does a great job playing mm-hmm. Pink Floyd, the the oh. main character, oh. <laughs> whose name Pink Floyd, whose name Pink. Um, I have who, no idea. Like, who descends into like this crazy totalitarianism? Oh my! Like gosh. it's it's crazy. I'm sure Blum would have a field day analyzing it. He that would, probably that would, actually would. Be fun. We should watch it and talk about we it. We should. We'll do. We'll do a video episode oh, of us critiquing more the Prosecco wall. Before I right. Can do that. We might need other substances if we're going to do that. Well, Pink Floyd. So the thing about Pink Floyd is that they're very complex to pin down because you know you listen to all of the stuff that they did when Roger Waters and David Gilmer were working together. Mm-hmm. It's great. Mm-hmm. Still got that proggy vibe. Mm-hmm. But then after Roger Waters and David Gilmer parted ways, they still put out good music. Like yeah, because David Gilmer was kind of the one that was was writing the stuff. Okay, and so you know they did the Division Bell, which actually it's so weird how this works. You know how like sometimes you start in the middle and work backwards? Okay. Well, I listened to The Division Bell Mm -hmm. as my first Pink Floyd album, which is post Roger Waters. Okay. And it's very beautiful, actually. The The music is so elegant. So Roger I should give Waters, this a shot. Yeah, I think you would probably you might like it because Roger Waters' voice, I'm gonna be honest with you, is pretty harsh. And okay. you know, he Who is the one that I know if I'm just hearing their hits? So if you listen to um we don't need no education, yes. for example. Um, I don't another like brick in the wall. The one that goes, "Go on, do it again." That's Roger Waters. Oh, he does okay. most. He does okay. most of the kind of like voices. Got and it. then the one with the pretty voice, like the ethereal voice, is David Gilmore, and he's the one that also plays those angelic guitar solos. Okay, so, all right, very cool. So, and he's also the one that you know looks a little bit nicer than Roger Waters because Roger oh. Waters looks a little kind of intimidating. Does like, he? Okay. Know. So, I think most people would say that Pink Floyd is the kind of thing that you either listen to it as background or you sit there and analyze it to shreds. Oh, I see. But okay. It's, it's not like party good time music. Okay. But I would say that without Pink Floyd and without King Crimson, the other like British proggy mm-hmm. band, there would be no. 19 minute prog rock song okay and um you know the thing about it that's so funny is that a lot of these prog musicians are some of the absolute best musicians in the world yeah i want to appreciate talent and skill like Like, regardless of whether i love the particular sound you're producing at this moment i want to acknowledge i can't do what you do and i want to appreciate your skill level i feel like some of that comes out in the live arena which obviously Mm. hasn't been reality for a while i know thank you COVID 19 hey you guys when you get your vaccine please go see randomonium at all the places they play thank you thank you yes I appreciate mm-hmm. that. we would love to see you out there but yes definitely be safe and smart and sure don't do anything boneheaded y'all but you're right it's been tough and yeah. i will agree i have been moved by songs live that oh, i yeah. am never moved by recorded it's just being there and well, being yeah, in the mix like, yeah boy we did a 90s show this past weekend and sean did bullet with butterfly wings by smashing pumpkins okay which, you know, I mean, say what you want about Smashing Pumpkins, but that song live has got balls. Okay. It's like, it I was, don't know that one, but I'll check it out. The one that goes, the world is oh, a vampire. Jerry loves that song. Yeah. Well, yeah. it is. I can very, imagine how it would be great live. But yeah, yeah. like there are some songs that are live songs mm-hmm. and there's some songs that, like, so as somebody that covers other people's music mm-hmm. for a living, mm-hmm. I can tell you that there's songs that I would never, ever want to listen to on my own time. But when, right. I, when I play them out, I'm like, okay that's well, pretty dope <laughs> i see the power of the yeah, song yeah, yeah. you know no i appreciate that and, i know. appreciate that i think i put 
I think I put too much pressure on music. And I'm very, my <laughs> yeah. my personality is such that, I mean, I don't know what the word is for this, but I'm a seven on the Enneagram. I want everything to be like, I want things to appeal to my five senses. And if it's not exactly what I want in that moment, then I'm not messing with it. So I'm, like Jerry tries to play music in the car with me or wherever. And I'm just like, no, skip, absolutely not. You know, <laughs> So he'll try to play something like Smashing Pumpkins or Pink Floyd. And I'm just like, no, if it hasn't grabbed me in like the first 10 seconds. But that's just me being immature and impatient. So, you know, I mean, there's two ways you can look at it. I mean, the one way that you can look at, you know, consuming music is, well, (laughs) music is, you know, it's a reflection of our culture and time and history and stuff. But it's also what we do to escape. That's me. And you I, only have so much time I, I in know. the day. Like, I think that's that's my primary function for music is I just want it to send me to a happy place. And I'm almost like this with TV and movies, too. I'm just like, if this is not going to make me feel better, right. then I don't want to I, with it. I get that, like, a lot. <laughs> yeah. Because I, I completely yeah. understand. Like, for me, mm-hmm. I've always liked music that's kind of darker and more cerebral. Yes. Like, I was, you know, I, I enjoy listening to virtuosity and I like kind of deep ideas or whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But when it comes to consuming other kinds of art, yeah. I would really rather, like, if I'm going to watch a movie, like, I get to the point where, like, I don't even know if I can watch something. I know. And you know what? Music taste does evolve, though. It does. Mine um, has definitely. Yeah. Which is a good thing because, I mean, mm-hmm. human beings are not, you know, we're always growing. We yes. Can't be, we can't be static in the music that we, yes. that we listen to. So. Maybe you'll leave today with an appreciation for one of the greatest British progressive rock bands of all time. And maybe not. I mean, maybe not. I want to give them a fair shake. Like I said, I've probably only listened to like five, maybe, maybe fewer Pink Floyd songs in my life. You know, part of (laughs) part of my Pink Floyd history was that Jerry and I um, and even oh, pre Jerry, I hung out at this pool hall in um, in Columbia. Right? I I loved this place. It was so great. Sounds awesome. And it had a jukebox with such good songs. But one of the songs it had was, is it The Wall where they're talking about we don't need no education? What is that called? Another Brick in the Wall, yeah. Another Brick in the Wall. That song was on the jukebox and it got played at least once every time I was there. And it didn't make me happy. It made me sad. And I just wanted to be happy. And I just got mad at that song. And I think that's where my hatred of Pink Floyd I mean, developed. We, like <laughs> human beings are always are always developing aversions to things. And do we yes. even know why? I mean I know. It's the craziest thing. It could have been that the first time I heard it. Maybe you were drinking a skunky I was, beer or that's something. That's right. Some I mean, something yeah. else terrible was going on. We have no idea. You're so right. You're so so right. But, I will say that, like, if you're the kind of person that tends to prefer upbeat stuff, then yes. Pink Floyd has always been a thinking man or woman's music. And, I mean, it makes you yeah. sit and think. Yeah. So if music is an escape for you, yeah, you just have to, like, and there is a way to escape. Because, I mean, like I said, David Gilmore's guitar solos are great. I mean, you listen to Comfortably Numb. And it just takes you to a different I know that place. one. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And, and the harmonies are beautiful. And, like, it's, uh, Roger Waters sings the verse. He sings, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Hello. Is oh, there anybody yeah. in there? And yeah, then yeah, David yeah. Gilmore is like, there is no pain you are receding. I kind of like that one. I know exactly what you're talking about. It's that one doesn't song. bother me that much. And when we I play like that. it live, it, it's like, it's so funny because I've had 
you know, I mean, when you're in a band with different people, you have different ideas about, sure. well, is this song going to go over well? Mm-hmm. People are like, I don't know if we should play Pink Floyd. I'm like, we should play it because no, this song definitely. touches people. It does. Like, they love yeah. it. They love Comfortably Numb because it's so iconic. It is. And because, it, you know, you've got like a little bit of lateral movement at the end there you can solo or whatever sure so but i mean live energy versus recorded that's yeah that's definitely something to talk about yeah in for sure detail because it's such a true thing for sure yeah so. i would agree with that i haven't been to as many concerts as i would like but some of my favorites were like aerosmith which i don't i don't choose to play aerosmith when i'm just chilling right. at home but oh my God, their live shows were so exactly. great. I mean, that's so the thing. great. And, and you, like, like, there's always this debate. Well, you know, the album versus live. And like, there's plenty of bands that, you know, they hire the right producers. Yes. Or they have the, the you know, the right people working on their album and they sound amazing. Sure. Like in the studio and then live, it's just not the same and vice versa. Sure. The key is to be a band that sounds good in the studio and can bring it live. And, and that's can, hard. Right. That's it really is hard. And I think for live, if you're if you're putting on a good show, which of course Aerosmith did, I mean, they had the money and the capacity to do that. But I mean, it's almost like a religious experience. We're all gathered in this like sanctuary together. No, and it's, it's true. like well, I mean No, there's like, but there's yeah. lots of elements of worship in <laughs> yes. going to a rock concert. Yeah. I mean, it's very ritualistic and uh-huh. you know, humans are ritualistic. We yeah. like you know, we like our rituals. That's why you know, like drug addicts love their paraphernalia. Yes. To them, it is a religion. That's you know, right. You're like setting everything out. That's the, right. As carefully as a priest. Look at my would. artifacts. Exactly. Yes, exactly. And I mean, we like we as humans, we crave that experience. We do. So I think we were made to crave that experience. It's very true. Um, so and I feel like I'm way off topic. You're not. No, this is okay. great. This is all this is all golden. I want to in our last couple of minutes because you sent me iconic songs and I wanted to know from you what are some things that are maybe not as iconic and I actually did this to my I sent my brother the list that you sent me and I was like what about stuff that's more obscure that's just really great and shouldn't be obscure because of how great it is just to get the juices flowing yet my brother who I I get most of my good music taste from my brother and he's younger than I he's 82 so, I, there's just something magical about 82, 82 I think. Man, you know? He sent me this list. Here oh, I we hear go. What okay. He I know. I'm I was excited to share this with you. If I can find it, good gracious. Okay. So I said, yeah, I said, John, what's a good what's a good rock track that's like lesser known? And he sent me Hollywood Boulevard by Neil Merriweather, which I had not heard, but I enjoyed. He said the kids are right by local H. And I was surprised he sent me that because that doesn't seem like something my brother would be into. Well, you people surprise you all the time. I know. And he sent me This Time Tomorrow by The Kinks. And he said that obviously The Kinks were huge, but that song wasn't as well known. And then The Descent by Bob Mould. I don't know who that is. I don't know. I do not know who that is either. Okay. What do you think? Some lesser known things. Lesser known things. Well, when I was listening to a lot of, you know, just listening to a ton of music as a kid, Mm -hmm. I listened to like a hugely diverse amount of music. Yeah. Like today I was listening to the Miami Vice soundtrack. Oh my God, that's amazing. Like the original show? Like the original show. (laughs) That's awesome. And I was listening to The Damned. What is The Damned? The Damned are like a angsty, kind of punk, kind of moody and they had a song that sampled Winston Churchill's oh. speech, uh, which as a history buff. <laughs> That's awesome. Called In Dulce Decorum. In Dulce Decorum. And I was Decorum. like, this is a really good song. I mean, there's not a lot of singing, but it's like very atmospheric. 
And what does indulge decorum mean? Uh, Something about sugar? So, something about sweet decorum. Like oh, decorum. Okay. De- I, I'm probably translating okay. it wrong. Okay. Latin <laughs> scholars, just forget I said that. I just know that I listened to it and, and I was like, I remember listening to this when I was like 11 years old. Yeah. And that's my, awesome. And my mom has like all of these, you know, I mean, I used to listen to things like Super Tramp. And, yes. Uh, Jerry loves Super Tramp. Super Tramp is great. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Take the Long Way Home. And, yes. Yeah, that's a great one. And uh, Goodbye Stranger. Uh, just so many good songs. Um, trying to think of, I also listen to The Verve a lot, which I don't know if people even I remember, remember the, verb. the Verve. I remember The Verve. But if you like angsty music, then listen to A Storm in Heaven, which is like their debut album. It's kind of awesome. It's very. Was that the Bittersweet Symphony album? No, that was no. Ur- that was Urban Hymns, which Got came it. out afterwards. They, okay. They were, you know, they were in like a. They were from Northern England. They're from okay. Manchester, so you know they kind of had their own little thing going on in Britain, mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm. it like broke out. Oh, I Bittersweet see. Bittersweet Symphony came out. And then they got in trouble because they sampled the last time by the Rolling Stones. Oh, like, come on, are you really going to be that much of an that a- track for British? Yeah. Oh, I didn't so even know pay, that. They had to pay a bunch of royalties to the Rolling Stones. Dude, Jerry and I were just talking about royalties the other day, and I just thought how silly it is. Like that, you're right. When you said earlier, there's nothing new under the sun. It's just like, what if it were just accepted that we're all going to sample each other's music and exactly. we'll acknowledge you? I know Lana Del Rey got in trouble. Because she did. She, she, who did she sample? I don't remember. I don't remember either. I just remember like she got in trouble for doing the exact same chord progression. I'm like, chord progression? I mean. Are you kidding? And the same feel. That's like oh so my subjective. I just feel like. Now Mozart's family is going to come out of the woodwork and ask for I mean, all of y'all's money. <laughs> I, would, I wouldn't be surprised. I'd be like, okay, so you're just going to use a chord progression. It's impossible. No, it's impossible to not steal. I mean, and I guess the takeaway from music history, history in general, is that everything is either a progression of something else or a reaction to it. And, you know, there's, like when I said, there's there'd be no metal without Led Zeppelin, Mm -hmm. be no prog rock without, you know, that late 60s British kind of movement like the birds and stuff i mean you yeah know, so like, yeah all, all that stuff is connected and in the end music is connected and i think that there's something for everybody out there and that's sure the, that's the beautiful thing about it and i also believe that people can learn to love pink floyd okay thank you for saying that <laughs> if michael were here he would say he believes that you can learn to love rap and that's a conversation for a different day i would like to be a part of that <laughs> I, I, there's some rap that I that I appreciate, but I, I don't know that I'm ever going to be a fan of rap. So. I understand. I understand. I mean, I, that's how I feel about some But I want to hear, Michael is super smart and knowledgeable. He is. And I, I, I love hearing <coughs> his ideas. So I know. Even if I don't agree with him and I want to whoop sure. his... Right? <laughs> you want to roll with him on the jujitsu mat? Oh yeah, I would pay that, to see that. I uh, know. <laughs> I've, I've been listening to a lot of. I mean, I agree with you about eighties and nineties. I've been listening to a lot of eighties and nineties pop and R and B, and there's just so so much good stuff there. No eighties pop. I mean, oh, like Sheena Easton. Yes. The Bangles. Yes. Um, uh, I've been listening to Erasure. Like, actually, I don't. I don't know if you... I love Erasure. Right. I'm sorry. Is that so, not cool? Because I love Erasure. No, Erasure is really cool. <laughs> I love. And uh, I'm trying to think. I tried to discover. Like y'all, come on. Yeah. Yeah. I, and oh, speaking of obscure tracks. Yes. The weirdest cover of uh, that song. No. Yes. I did not the, know there was the, such. The y'all, teenage, I'm looking it up right the teenage now. Teenage Dirtbag singers. I have love covered, Teenage Dirtbag. Yeah, they covered Erasure's A Little Weetus? Respect. And it's good. 
Like Respect. it's a really good cover. Oh my gosh. I'm going to listen to this right. Hey, listeners, check this out. It's on the same album. I mean, I missed it. I totally I missed it. And the thing that I love about Weedus is that they love all of those like 80s metal bands. They have to. And they like the, the whole listen to Iron Maiden. Yes, Iron me. Maiden. Like, exactly. He was singing from the heart. He was. He, he was really was. You can tell that emotion oh, yeah. is there. No, I love it. That song is I mean, it's it's that one is a little bit lesser known. But the reason I know it so well is because my sister Emily and I used to go to karaoke. Oh, and she would always sing Teenage Dirtbag. There you go. That's so. a that's a classic song. I mean, if you're if you're our age, you know Teenage Dirtbag. If you're oh not gosh. our age, you should check out Teenage Dirtbag. It's good. It's a great song. And then I guess what is another song? I had one at the tip of my brain. I'm so sorry. We've no, talked no, and we've okay. took it out of your it's, brain. It's, it's really cool. I'll tell you what. I'm more than happy to compile a list and send yes. it retroactively. I'll I'll post it on our website or on because some social media I, site. I can even make a Spotify list. You let's, could. Let's just do. Oh that my one. gosh! Please put darkness on your Spotify. Oh list. yes. <laughs> Oh, uh, speaking of darkness, yes. okay, here's a good one. Yes. Uh, that's not necessarily one that everybody would know, but Love is Only a Feeling. I love that song. By the Darkness. Yes. is an amazing song. It's great. So, I love that one. I love Friday Night that by the Darkness. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Darkness in general, mm-hmm. they're a band that could have been very successful in the late 70s and early They 80s. could. And when I first heard their vibe. song, I was like, is this a song from the... From the 70s or 80s that I it missed. It sounds like, like it came out in like 1981. I know. I know. It's when, so great. You know, you'd be driving around in your muscle car. Uh, yes. Drinking your tab. There's something about music that comes out now that has that like throwback feeling. Even stuff like, you know, well, shoegaze. Yeah. yeah, chill wave no. stuff. I'm just like, oh my God, no. this is so 80s. When I listened to Blinding Lights for the first time, I was like... This is really good. Yeah, I mean, but I, I love the weekend. I'm I'm biased. He's like no, he's, he's great. His voice is great. His Bruno just, Mars was kind of doing that too. One of his albums is very like throwback. '90s R and B, and I'm like, no. this is so good. Well, you walk into Forever 21, and they're yeah, selling a bunch of like you know Nirvana T-shirts. I just, know. I'm like, you you guys are stealing my culture. You know what? I'm fine with it. Like, I'm fine with it too because I can buy this cheap is, Nirvana T-shirts. Exactly. Not only that, so. but you are only going to be the better for for having adopted this but all right let's wrap this up um what do you want to what's the the closing thought on the history of rock well i feel like i've only just i know i've I've only just dug into like we didn't do the history of rock what we did Um, was the introduction to a whole series on hang out and talk (laughs) that's exactly right um i would say (laughs) that um you know one of the things that's that's so great about being a musician is that every day that i get to play music that i pay tribute to the Mm. people that came before yes i think that every musician should like if you don't already know the roots of the music that you're listening to it's really really important yes um you know just realize like that there was a lot of civil unrest and just a lot of things going on that created the music that you might take for granted. Mm-hmm. And I think that you just can't take it for granted. Uh, so. I, I totally agreed. So. 100%. And yeah. And if you guys, uh, if you guys are patient, I will post the most bossome Spotify list <laughs> of obscure tracks. I just can't think straight because I'm so dazzled being around Sarah. Oh my gosh. Time. Yeah. We're having too much fun. It's we, been a blast. Yeah. We can't come up with a list right now, but yeah. all right, plug your stuff. So I'm in a couple of bands. I play in Randomonium, which is a, a local band that plays just a huge variety of genres, decades, and styles. And I'm also in an all-80s project called Neon Arcadia. It's an amazing, immersive 1980s experience. We play a lot of new wave. We play some hair metal. We play just everything that was great about the 80s. So once you have gone through all of the necessary channels to make it safe for you to go out, you should go out. 
Absolutely. Come, come out and rock with us. We I can vouch for this. I've been to Heidi's shows multiple times. I cannot even recommend a better activity for once COVID is in our past. I mean, for a lot of people, that's happening. Like, good for you if you've got your vaccine. Schedule your vaccine appointment. And then, yeah, the first social thing you should do is to go see Randomonium or Neon Arcadia. You'll feel amazing. You'll, you'll be feel, blessed. You will have a rock history lesson right before your eyes. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> it will be interactive. That ex- it yeah. is interactive. It's such a fun show because you get to kind of sing along. You know all the songs. Well, and we you love know to most of the we love to pepper in a little trivia there for all of the people that are super huge music nerds like me and Sean. So exactly. It's, it's great. So, well, Heidi. Can't thank you enough thank for you being so on. Much. I feel so educated, and I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> give Pink Floyd another shot. Just Jerry will be so shot. happy that I'm giving it another shot. Uh, we'll definitely have you back on. Maybe you and and your better half. Oh, he would love to. Okay, he he has he's very very knowledgeable, and he's one of those people that's like the human Shazam. So yes, he'd, he'd be I love it. He'd be amazing. I would love to talk to Sean about music for extended periods of time. All right, friends, we're gonna wrap it up. Thanks again, Heidi. Thank you, Sarah. You literally rock. Woo. And we'll have you back. Thanks also to our listeners. We love you guys and love interacting with you on social media. We are Splain underscore yourself on Twitter and Instagram. We also have a Facebook page and a group that you can join. Hope to see you there. In the meantime, keep living that rock and roll lifestyle and always be ready to Splain yourself. Yourself.